You're listening to Mischief Media. Hey, non-plus listeners. If you're a craft beer fan, have we got the app for you. Tavor, it's the app for fans of craft brews and trying new and exciting labels. It's so cool. Snag the app from your iOS or Android app store, browse the current list of hard-to-find 100% independent beers, and add them to your personalized crate or enroll in the subscription, and Tavor will handpick the highest-rated beers that suit your taste. There's no minimums or commitments, and if you're selecting the beers for yourself, you pay as you choose and then request delivery whenever you're ready. Again, there's no monthly limit or minimum that you need to hit, and a flat rate shipping doesn't change with the size of your crate. As many beers as you want, same price to ship. Tavor posts a 100% independent community, over 650 featured breweries from 47 states, and over 7,000 beers tasted. That's nuts. Yeah, you can download Tavor today and try it for yourself. Just use the code NONPLUS at checkout for $10 off your first order of $25 or more. Again, download Tavor, that's T-A-V-O-U-R, in your app store and use the code NONPLUS for $10 off your first order of $25 or more. I'll drink to that. And one for Mahler. Absolutely nonsense. I peeked there. You did a lot. (laughs) Am I too close? Yeah. You want to pull back a little bit or just talk over it a little bit. Because what you're doing is you're doing this and make your points and do you make your points like this and it'll be a bit easier. More even. Are you done? Yeah. another episode of non plus a gay romp through the disney plus vault that over there is my husband clancy over there is my husband josh and we are non plus a mischief media podcast a before, mischief media podcast boop. before we get started as always head to mischiefmerch.com for all of your geek finery accessories clothings and stuff it's con season yeah. if, you, if you need to load up now's the time i've been seeing lots of great photos all over uh social media from all the different comic cons going on yeah if you've got one in your area and you're thinking oh no i need a new marvel themed shirt head over to mischiefmerch.com use code nonplus 10 get 10 percent off your order yeah and that's that and that's that so this week in celebration of the hamilton sing-along coming to the platform we yes. thought we'd resurface an old favorite. Yeah, this was a, we we watched Hamilton. I think this was season one? One or two? Yeah, it was very, it was very early on. Uh, it's when I was still unemployed enough for to figure out guests. <laughs> yes, but we had a wonderful guest. Jillian Pensavale. Yes. Who we're actually going to see, um, as you hear this, this Thursday night in Denver at the True Crime Obsessed live show. Very excited. Very excited. So we thought, this is also harmonious Hamilton live coming. We're going to be seeing Jillian soon. They're on tour. What yeah. a great way to plug uh, the events of some friends. And also we had family in town this weekend and yeah. it was just going to be a nightmare to try to record something. A- so, absolutely. So yeah, here um, we are. Here we are. We hope you enjoy listening to us gush over Hamilton again with Jillian Pensavale. Yeah. Especially if some of you uh, have littles and you're going to be watching the sing along ad nauseum now that all the lyrics are on the screen. <laughs> 
Um, Godspeed to you. We, yeah. I mean, as adults, we were those people. This, I, I hope that this gives you a little bit of respite in that. I mean, a little bit. At a little le- bit. Hey, look, at least it's not bluey. At least it's not bluey. All righty. Let's kick it off to the episode. What movie are we going to be doing today? We're going to be discussing 2020's Hamilton. It was released on July 3rd. Yes. 2020. Yes. Um, it was originally scheduled to be released October 15th, 2021. And then COVID happened. And then decisions were made. Decisions were Strings made. were pulled. Based on a book by Ron Trenow. Yes. Called Alexander Hamilton. So this is directed by Thomas Kale. Yes. Uh, he also directed the stage play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The total runtime for this was 160 minutes, two hours and 40 minutes. It's... It's a long beastly. Yeah. Beastly. And I will say like watching it twice. I was, I was kind of dreading watching it again because I'm like, Oh, this is going to be so long, but honestly it sails by. It really does. It's paced. So ding dang. Well, yeah. Story and music by Lin-Manuel Miranda, of course. Lin-Manuel Miranda. Jesus. (laughs) And then of course, throughout, we see the head of Alex Lacamoire, who he was the arranger, keyboards, musical director, orchestrator, and at various points of the show gets referred to and handed things. Yeah, which I thought was delightful. You want to go through the cast? David Diggs as Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson. Delightful. Renee Elise Goldsberry as Angelica Schuyler. Jonathan Groff, of course, is King George III. He, uh, I mean, <laughs> all things aside, he is my favorite character in this musical. Yes. Hands down. And we, in LA, we saw Rory O'Malley as King George. And I actually, controversially, probably like his performance better than I like Jonathan Groff, but Jonathan Groff could also get it. Uh, it's just, you know, it's... It's none of it was bad. I just feel no, like there was a little more elevation. Too, well, they're just two very different King Georges. I saw somewhere on Twitter, this could be rumor town, but apparently every time before he'd go out and sing, he'd pound a bottle of water so that his mouth would be really moist. Oh my God. Yeah. And even Alex Lackamore tweeted about like, if you're wondering, yes, yeah, sometimes I did get hit. <laughs> Christopher Jackson, he played George Washington. Yes. He is the tallest drink of water I have ever seen and i just and he is mm. a delightful human being i you know last week he's we, built like a truck <laughs> truck truck like he's got these eyebrows that are like you could put things on it is oh thank you oh my God. who's next jasmine safus jones i hope i'm saying that right as peggy schuyler and mariah reynolds next we have uh lynn manuel miranda what? He played yes. Alexander Hamilton. And he did. Leslie Odom Jr. is Aaron Burr, sir. Arcadietti Onaudawan. And he plays Hercules Mulligan and James Madison. Yes. Anthony Ramos as John Lawrence and Philip Hamilton. Another dual cut. Did you miss? You followed him. You, yes, you I one. did. I figured that one out too. Jesus. I understand. He just, he just I understand that actors can play other characters within a deal. I knew that Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson were the same person. Like, okay. It's okay. They're all cute. I get it. They are. You want to see where they're going around on stage. All right. Who played Eliza Hamilton? Philippa Sue, who is delightful. And then in the ensemble, we've got Carly Betty all Ariana DeBose, who plays the bullet more on her later. Yeah. It's like a special ensemble role. Hope Easterbrook, Cindy James Hardcourt as Philip Schuyler, James Reynolds, doctor and ensembles. And then we have Sasha Hutchings, as Sally Hemings in the ensemble, Thane Jasperson as Samuel Seabury in the ensemble. He's the one who hops up on the thing and he's reading about 
you know. Yeah, that's such I'm a for good... the British. He's the Ponzi one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Elizabeth Judd, John Rua as Charles Lee, and also Ensemble. Austin Smith, Seth Stewart, and Ephraim Sykes as George Eaker and Ensemble. And that's everyone. And that's everyone. All right. Tell me what happens in Act One, John. The orphan Alexander Hamilton leaves his home on the island of Nevis. After arriving in New York in 1776, Hamilton meets Aaron Bird, John Lawrence, the Marquis de Lafayette, and Hercules Mulligan, and impresses them with his rhetorical skills. They affirm their revolutionary goals to each other. Uh, and meanwhile, wealthy sisters Angelica, Eliza, and Peggy Schuyler go into town seeking out potential suitors. Samuel Seabury warns everyone about the dangers of Congress, which, fair. Uh, but Hamilton disagrees and tries to counter Seabury. King George <laughs> then insists on his authority while having a really moist mouth. Then during the New York and New Jersey campaign, Hamilton accepts a position as George Washington's aide de camp instead of field command. At the beginning with uh, with the Disney logo, there was a... the Ten Dual Commandments under it. Yeah. And it's got like all of the sound effects that happen and it's uh -huh. it's really cool like that was a really neat idea to put underneath that instead of the disney sound but but yeah just just being that close and yeah that rotating stage i mean as simple as oh my god a, a rotating stage is i mean we've seen this before it's just so expertly used i feel like, like it would it's one of those things about a movie set in either new york or la and there's that it, ubiquitous line of the city is almost another character. And it's like, you know, the turntable is almost another character <laughs> yeah. and it maximizes almost no set and really creates a degree of dimensional storytelling. And I, and this could just be because it's filmed. Like it's wild the way that these cameras move in conjunction to how things are staged because it's just such great visual storytelling. It's really well done. And then also during the farmer refuted song, have you all unraveled at the sound of screams, but the revolution is coming. The have nots are going to win this. It's hard to listen to you with a straight face. Chaos and bloodshed already haunts us. Honestly, you shouldn't even talk. Now what about Boston? Look at the cost and all that we've lost. And you talk about Congress. It's so tight. Yeah, the, the precision that they have on stage singing with each other, even when they're talking over each other. Like, yeah. it's so, so good. Also, Josh did mention during You'll Be Back, which is the uh, song that King George sings. There is literally a piece of spit that comes out of his mouth at one point. And I was just like, all the people in the audience can't see this. And maybe he didn't think that people would be able to see that. But you also... He knew it's kind of perfect. He knew what he was doing. Yes. Like I said, where there was that rumor. Tweet. And what's funny is Clancy made that comment. And then not what an hour later, I get that text from my sister. That's like, <laughs> I can see all of the spit flying out of his mouth. Right. I mean, the Skylar sisters as a number again, as a number one is another one that really makes great use of that. Again, that fucking turntable makes a very, a relatively small ensemble for like a Broadway musical feel like a lot more people because it's moving them around the space so quickly. Yeah, Cause there's not, of the cast, it's it's not that big. All right, next bit of Act One. At Philip Schuyler's ball, Eliza Schuyler falls hopelessly in love with Alexander, who reciprocates her feelings, and the two marry. As Angelica suppresses her feelings for the sake of their happiness at the wedding. After the wedding, Burr congratulates Hamilton on his position as aide-de-camp to Washington, 
Hamilton admits that he would much rather have Burr's position on the battlefield, and Burr reflects on Hamilton's swift rise while considering his own career as more cautious. Yeah, so a lot there, but I, I think we we start with the the staging of the Winter's Ball and Helpless. This whole helpless into satisfied, the way that it's staged, the performances of these two women. And Josh made it a point. He's like, pay attention to what they're doing. And you got really uppity about it. You were like, I am paying attention. What do you mean? (laughs) It honestly was important because in the song Satisfied, they essentially do the entire choreography of Helpless. Yes. In reverse and then play it out. They do a quick rewind and then all of that action is repeated. And it's literally like in the same beats of the song at the same moments. Yeah. She's doing all of the same stuff. Like, yeah, you can, you can see Eliza almost singing her parts of helpless as she's rotating, but it's all focused on Angelica. Yes. And it's, it's just so well done watching it twice. I want to go watch it like six more times because that's just so incredible. The, the amount of, uh, detail that's happening there i've got some recommended reading for you before you go watch it a few more times the washington post did a profile with the four guys andy blankenbuehler lan-manuel miranda thomas kale and alex lackamore andy's Mm -hmm. the choreographer and the post did this profile and it's all about that scene oh cool and one of the things that they they said uh they sort of name check it and this is kind of what the why the disney connection is even a little bit funnier they called moments like those ratatouille moments in reference to when the food critic eats the ratatouille at the end and like that that like goes back and sort of like get you get this sort of clipped version of history and and the moments and emotions that are tied to that yeah they called it ratatouille and that funny yeah but yeah like it's so well done i mean helpless again Philippa Sue has a gorgeous voice. The way that time and space is manipulated with that turntable again, when they get into the discussion about them, you know, being in the other room while Hamilton's asking for asking her father for permission to propose and the way that, and this is something that they did so effectively throughout the way that the character's relationship to the audience as the turntable is moving. Yeah. Because at points, Eliza singing directly to the audience is sort of like a, confident like they're in the other room we're out here nervous oh my goodness what's gonna happen yeah and then like as the t- turntable comes back around the action of the scene picks back up and it sort of shifts again. And, and light cues are changing as all of this is happening. And it's again, pinnacle of their craft. It it just, it makes it seem all that like more dynamic. Well, and it's, again, it's, it's about drawing the audience's eye, right? There are Mm -hmm. moments where they do it with Aaron Burr, but yeah, the Washington post article is called one key scene helps cement Hamilton as a Broadway legend. The team that crafted it explains how I'll link that one in the show notes for Um, sure. Yeah. But yeah, it's all about how wild this scene is. I, I, I could watch just that transition from helpless to satisfied 10 times and still find new stuff to look at. <laughs> uh, George Washington, we're introduced to uh, here as well. George Washington, 
essentially coming to George Washington to up his status a bit, but yes. George really doesn't want anything to do with him. He wants Hamilton. Correct. Which, you know, creates that contention between them, but truly it's ongoing. Not, yeah. Right. And, and the sad thing is, it's like, it's, it's, it's not, at least in this portrayal, it, Burr and Hamilton were never really actively competing against each other. Like they weren't, it wasn't anything in malice. I don't think. No. Well, and again, in the show. Yeah. I think that's correct. Bam. At the very end, Aaron Burr says, you know, I was too young to see that the world is white enough. Like it doesn't have to be me or him. Yeah. It can be me and him. And that's sort of like the, the, the hubris expressed by the Greek chorus that yeah. helps allow you have your catharsis as you exit the theater. <laughs> and yeah, we, we also have it wait for it. Yes. Um, and holy shit there's so much control in his voice and his and precision in his performance well and like i had brought it up to josh a, a bunch of times the echo for wait for it wait yes for it, wait for it. i thought for a minute that it was uh digitally done and it's not it's the chorus behind them making that echo but yes. it just sounds so perfect it's so again the precision here but you also kind of feel for him a bit with he he's i mean willing to wait for it of himself as like you know what i am going to i'm going to do my due diligence to 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 follow the path that 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 looks like that's in front of me yeah and that he's willing to wait to get what he wants whereas you know hamilton is very much uh, he wants to get it as quickly as possible and I feel that honey, you're married yeah. to that. I can remember <laughs> a very specific tweet that I sent out during a very tense moment in my career with, with it was when you're listening to Hamilton and you realize you're Burr. Yes. But really it's, it's only, a big gamble, it's only like, once Burr sets himself against Hamilton. Right. That that path starts to go astray because throughout act one, they're basically just counterparts to one another. Right. They're working with each other and, and, and around and their, each other and their paths are crossing all the time, but they're never, they're never really actively acting against each other. And no, that, I mean, that doesn't happen to later. We'll, we'll get to that. Like I was talking about with the echo, like there was actually some affected or effects done to uh, Aaron Burr's voice. Yes. During like the big swell in the song. Yeah. And, and he's, I mean, belting, but you can, but like the choral refrains are the ones that are like precise ensemble voices. Right. But you know, and they, but they add that echo in there and it just adds this whole other level because the chorus is also singing those same things yeah. and it's just so frenetic, but also just so well done. It makes you, gives you that one, like that feeling inside yeah. where it's just like everything gets tingly and you're like, Oh my God, this is amazing. As conditions worsen for the continental army, Hamilton aids Lawrence in a duel against Charles Lee who had insulted Washington after, quote, shatting the bed. Lawrence injures Lee, who yields. Hamilton is temporarily suspended by Washington over the duel and is sent home. There, Eliza reveals that she is pregnant with her first child and asks Hamilton to slow the f*** down yeah. uh, and take in what has happened in their lives. After Lafayette persuades France to get involved on the colonist side, he urges Washington to call Hamilton back to help plan the final siege of Yorktown. Washington agrees, but explains to Hamilton, who is convinced he should die a martyr and a hero in war, that he should be careful with his actions because whatever he does will be known for ages to come. At the Siege of Yorktown, Hamilton meets up with Lafayette to take down the British, revealing that Mulligan was recruited as a spy, helping them figure out how to trap the British and win the war. 
I love how all of this is as all of this is happening and they're going on with the war and stuff, especially as we're going into um, Stay Alive, because that's Eliza. You know, she's hovering above all of this watching. Yeah. Almost as if hovering in the back of Alexander's mind. And like, <laughs> Stay alive. I have never seen the general so despondent. I have taken overriding all this correspondence. Congress writes. But yeah, this is where we're introduced to the convention of the duels that are that will happen. There's three that three major duels that happen in, in Hamilton. Another narrative use for the turntable. When they, when they do the bullet is, do we have the, the, the ensemble play the bullet during this scene? Yes. Ariana DuBose, who's the bullet. Uh, as this story is being told, there's one sort of like montage part where the sort of person that she is playing in that moment gets killed, mm-hmm. um, suspected of spying. And, and from there on, she's also like the bullet in moments like this mm-hmm. where, you know, someone's firing. And if it's a bullet you need to pay attention to, she comes up and she's like, yeah, it's like bullet time. It's just, it's like, she's showing it in the air and she's, you, I, I was, I was paying attention to it. She is constantly moving, yeah. but she's going very slowly, very controlled. Such precision. Yeah. One of the ensemble members I saw when we were live tweeting, um, was talking about like the athleticism that it requires to do a lot of not just the dancing, but the running around, the lifting the furniture and this and that and the other yeah. thing. And she was like, yeah, it was the greatest exercise regimen. I could eat anything I wanted because <laughs> I was going to burn it off that night. Yeah. Fucking eight shows a week. Jesus. <laughs> so Charles Lee ends up getting shot. George Washington confronts Hamilton is like, I know you did this. Like you were, you didn't, you didn't pull the trigger, but well, it's less Might that well and like, we, we can't, you're, this is infighting. What the fuck are you doing? Right. Like, what is we, the point here? We're fighting the British. We're not fighting. We've got bigger problems. And Hamilton's like, but your yeah. name and George Washington's like, I don't give a fuck about my, I've been through and Hamilton's like, well, I haven't. And all it just, it's very petulant bratty energy from Hamilton yeah, yeah, in this yeah. moment. Um, but Hamilton doesn't know this, but George does because he had received a letter from Eliza saying that she was pregnant. Yes. But yeah, we go, that's when we go and Eliza sings, you know, uh, that would be enough about their baby. And this is where, like, we had a little discussion about their costumes. And maybe this is something we can ask Jillian because the, the, the three primary women characters, performers, when they're playing the Skylar sisters, it's like there are, I can't tell if it's just a jacket being added or if it's a whole different bodice, but we get sort of like a, an overthrow thing Mm -hmm. where she's preggers. While they're singing, uh, that would be enough. And then we transition into yeah, Lafayette and Guns and Ships and David rapping in that French accent. It's so good. He is. It's so good. Bananas. Of all the the performances in this, he might be my favorite. Like I like his Thomas Jefferson. I love his Lafayette. He's like, it's, just phenomenal. It's, it's and this great. is where they have that moment as as the Marquis de Lafayette is rapping rapping about. <laughs> And that's when that letter, as Washington is singing his little bit, goes all the way up around the entire set through the hands of all the ensemble. As the turntable is pushing Washington around to the other side of the stage so that once the letter lands and Hamilton steps on the turntable, they're opposite ends of the stage. Yeah. And and even like when you watch the the, the letter go past, there's some points where like they're pausing, they're doing like like a pirouette thing and then they pass. And then yes. suddenly there's like, bam, 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 bam. It's it's across the stage. But yes. you never lose it. You never lose sight of that letter as Precisely. it goes across. 
the staging, my God. And we get more Ugh. into, especially as we go into, you know, we get history has his eyes on you where George Washington's like, you know, be careful, Hamilton. Yeah. That, mm, that one point in that song where everybody is saying the history has his eyes on yes. you and it's just, it's one of those big giant moments where you're just like, holy shit. Like, yeah. It really sells the tension woof. of we're going into the revolutionary war. There's this montage style storytelling mechanic with all the ensemble sort of moving around and helping support the story and what the characters are thinking and feeling. And it's just, it's such a joy to watch. Like it's just interesting to watch yeah. and to catch all of the different nuances of it. Um, then we get into Yorktown and they're talking about, you know, our, uh, Lafayette, holding off Chesapeake Bay. And then they had Hercules Mulligan in the, in there as a spy. And when Oak comes to the end of the stage and, and finishes that stanza where we kill one of the F bombs in the show. Yeah. Um, and he does that little like kissy face tongue wag. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. I'm Mr. Oak, I'm melting my goodness. But as they're ending the battle of the Yorktown, I felt like, especially right now watching the show, when they talk about dead. black and white soldiers wonder like if this really means freedom, not, yet George Washington's not yet like feels so much more ominous in 2016. It might have felt like a hopeful fantasy. Sure. But now like it feels ominous when he says not yet. Yeah. Implying that, you know, slavery is not over yet. Yeah. And that's one of the criticisms that the show doesn't really engage with the impact of slavery in this political moment right now. But again, we're engaging with it and, and talking about those things. I think is, it just shows, uh, progress to a degree yeah. anyway soon after the victory at yorktown king george asked the rebels how they will succeed in governing on their own lafayette returns to france uh, with plans to inspire his people to have their own revolution hamilton's son philip is born while burr has a daughter theodosia and the two tell, tell their children how they will do anything to protect them hamilton receives word that his friend lawrence has been killed in a seemingly pointless battle after the war was won and throws himself into his work tomorrow there'll be more of us he co-authors the Federalist Papers and is selected as the Secretary of the Treasury by the newly elected President Washington. Eliza begs Hamilton to say Angelica moves to London with her new husband. And that's the end of Act One. Yeah. Every time in all of this, when, especially in Dear Theodosia, but really throughout the show, anytime Hamilton says, my son, there's, there's a bit of gravitas to it that just makes me go, oh, because like, I don't know if it's Lynn as a performer or if it's character choice or whatever, but it's just like, oh, my son. Oh, yeah. Uh, Dear Theodosia is a beautiful, beautiful song. Yes. My father wasn't around. Father wasn't around. Swear that I'll be around for you. I'll do whatever it takes. I'll make a million mistakes. I'll make the world safe and sound for you. Come of age with our young nation. It's the way that they stage it with the two chairs on stage. Uh, it starts with Aaron Burr on stage yeah. talking about his daughter, Theodosia. Um, and then in the middle of that, uh, Hamilton comes out on the other side of the stage and both sides of the stage get two toned. Like one is one is orange or warmer and then blue yeah. and colder. On The lighting on the design yeah. really sort of creates those space as well. Yes, I love King George coming back looking all bewildered and it, somebody stole his dang fur. But <laughs> That's his, right. his mouth is still nice and moist. For sure. Um, but really, this is where I had the note doing all of these different sort of like montage moments. This is where the light board op and stage manager need a special Tony for the light change. Or like when he stomps. 
Yeah, because I'm, I'm so, so blue, boom. boom. Like it's just, and it's, and it's, it's almost like he was commanding that to happen. That's exactly what it is. But just the, the timing, the, the precision was somebody solid. him saying blue, and then the stomp because it, it wasn't like it went blue when he said blue. No. And as we discussed on the Peter Pan episode, where I talked about having played Tinkerbell as a light cue, yeah, that degree of precision is not easy to achieve. It's not. But yeah, it mentions tomorrow there'll be more of us. This was not on the original Broadway cast recording. This song, that little interlude about Lawrence losing a li- his life in a battle after the war. Oh, really? And Lynn even tweeted about it on the live watch hashtag thingy about how um, it was intentional. And it was just a moment that they really wanted to make sure that I guess they felt had more gravity. When you're there. When you're there. It. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Act two opens up with David Diggs now as Thomas Jefferson. Coming Uh back to America after being the U.S. ambassador to France. Mm -hmm. And that's the act two opener song. What did I miss? Jefferson and Hamilton debate the latter's financial proposals at a cabinet meeting. Washington pulls pulls Hamilton aside and tells him to figure out a compromise to win over Congress. Eliza and her family, along with Angelica, back from London, travel upstate during the summer while Hamilton stays home to work on the compromise. Take a break happens there. Let's talk about everything up to this because this is where things start to turn. Thomas Jefferson coming in was look, David Diggs could give Cher a run for her money on how to make an entrance descending stairs. Because I was like, oh. Let's put this side by side with Cher's entrance in Mamma Mia 2 and see who does this better. Because I don't know that I would automatically pick Cher in that bet. The whole what did I miss number was just delightful. What a what a great way to end to start act two. Yes. Take a break, which I love. Patrick and I, this is a song we always karaoke when we have the opportunity. Yeah. So we get to uh, say no to this. And when they did the Hamilton mixtape and Jill Scott did say yes to this mm-hmm. and that glorious cover because of the way that that song was orchestrated, we were able to lay say no to this on top of say yes to this. I just love it. Yeah. But yeah, at the, even back to those intentional references at the end of, you know, say no to this, you know, when he's getting blackmailed, there's a, a musical refrain that da, da, na, na, with the violins, that's a direct reference to in the last five years when Jamie says the exact same line, nobody needs to know. Nobody It's literally a rip from the oh, wow. last five years that he got Jason Robert Brown's approval to use. That's cool. Isn't that funny? Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so this is where we, again, like I said, pull in to say no to this. Hamilton, Jefferson, and James Madison create the compromise of 1790 over a private dinner, exchanging Hamilton's financial plan for placing the country's permanent capital on the Potomac River. Burr is envious of Hamilton's sway in the government and wishes he had similar power. Burr switches political parties and defeats Philip Schuyler, making Hamilton now a rival. 
But yeah, yeah, Hamilton goes way out and gets, he feels real bad about some lady and feels like the only cure for her woes is his D. This isn't glorifying Alexander Hamilton as like this. this no, it's, it's one of the moments where the musical really does get critical of him. He did this shit. This is gross. He shouldn't have done this. And then the way that he handled it was also awful. But I was led to think that she was kind of playing him a bit because once the actual husband comes out and starts extorting them, that this is something that they do. I mean, she says, you know, I don't know about any letter. I don't know what we're supposed to believe as the audience. I think yeah. it's, it's meant to be left to question whether or not she's involved. And I haven't done enough of the reading to know whether or not it was a plot. But what doesn't change is that Hamilton uh, succumbed to whatever the urges that he was feeling and, and is extorted for money. Yep. Yeah. Say to no to this. That's such a good, good song. It's so well done. And so yeah. well performed. Jasmine Savis Jones is just such a delight in a powerhouse. She's uh, again, it's a different quality of vocal and the way that she can, I think you made a, a, a note at one point where she's doing all that belting right into Hamilton's face. And she's like, God, that's gotta be loud. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it's, it's woof. She can, she, she can, really can punch it. Yeah, she can. But, and this is one of those things where, you know, you know what a Mondegreen is, right? No. Where when you, you hear a lyric incorrectly, but it sounds like, you know, like, um, like the cross eyed bear that you gave to me. Got it. Yes. I yes. understand exactly what you're saying. The very first time I listened to this song and you know, Hamilton shouts at her, stop crying. God damn it. Get up. The first time I heard it, I heard stop crying. Like David Guetta. Stop crying like David Guetta. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yes. Lots of shenanigans are going on in Hamilton's schmoozy schmoozy about Burr. And we get to the room, the room where it happens. And it's honestly those, those horns that come in. Bah, 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 da, bah, da, bah. It's just so, again, amazingly choreographed, mm -hmm. amazingly performed. There's so much action and movement in the scene as all of these people are moved around the proverbial chessboard. And as, and really as Aaron Burr is transitioning from interacting with the character, yeah. with the characters and then also acting as the narrator Yes, at, at no point, like you kind of get lost because you start getting focused on something and then suddenly he comes back around and is the narrator and right. then, and then suddenly he's back in the scene and it's just like, it's again, they're moving yeah, the your eyes so around the stage as yeah. the story is being told. Yeah. And it's, it's so good. The, the lighting that happens, they've got these squares that appear on the page or on the page on the stage signifying him being outside of the room and where the room was and the room kept moving and was just done very, very, very well. Yeah. Well, and even at the top of the song, like when those horns come in and there's the four dancers and they're in the, their little light boxes. Sure. Like it, they just set up so much structure. Oh God, it's just so well done. Yeah. It's so well done. So in another cabinet meeting, Jefferson and Hamilton argue over whether the United States should assist France in its conflict with Britain. President Washington ultimately agrees with Hamilton's argument for remaining neutral. In the wake of this, Jefferson, Madison and Burr decide to join forces to find a way to discredit Hamilton in Washington's eyes. And then Washington decides to retire from the presidency and Hamilton assists in writing a farewell address. But yeah, the cabinet battles. Like, yeah, we didn't talk about the first one. But, no, but like I love that they had real microphones. Yes. On stage. Like that was such a cool thing to add to it. Like it's, you know, it, blending that contemporary with with uh, period. Yes. right? Like that was really well done, especially because it matches what what was happening. This is legitimately a rap battle between 
uh, Thomas Jefferson and and uh, Alexander Hamilton. And Jefferson does a lot of fourth wall breaking. He'll refer to and chat at a lot of the audience members. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At, and like mug to the audience and stuff. <laughs> there was also one point where like Lafayette was like uh, going to um, what was his name behind him? Um, uh, Madison. Yes. And he's like, when we were on death's door, when we were needy, we made a promise. We signed a treaty. We needed money and guns and half a chance. Uh, who provided those funds? France. In return, they didn't ask for land. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was just so nonchalant, but, like, it was it was really well done. Yeah, the dynamic sort of, it, it, the whole thing as a convention, and I think, if I remember correctly, there was one on the mixtape that, like, got cut from the show. Mm-hmm. One thing that I feel comes across better in the... Um, the visual that on the on the CD uh-huh. on the, you know the original cast recording the way whenever Hamilton is using one of Burr's own lines sort of like against Burr yeah um it it feels like he's it feels much more derisive in in a live production of it like he's I don't know in the song like when you listen to it there's not there's not so much sass on it but yeah we get to one last time which is amazing yeah uh, you know Hamilton realizing that not just has Jefferson resigned, but you know, he's going to be that Washington's not going to run for reelection and he gets to bring the house down He does with this, with this piece. And even at the end when he's like, he's so emotional and like crying, it's like, I, I believe that that's but the realization that like Hamilton was like, this is kind of where he starts getting a little more concerned about what his legacy will be like when he's gone. Yes. And gets, and gets a lot more focused on that. That George Washington was at the, the perfect place for him to sort of step away. Like he's well, like, he was, I have done what I needed to do. And it's time for us to move this over to somebody else who can bring in new ideas. He knew when to hold them. He knew when to fold them. Yeah. He knew when to walk away. Yeah. And he knew when to run. And he has such a great voice. <laughs> oh my God. He's got a gorgeous voice. And uh, then of course, if you, if, if you haven't listened, we'll drop in a little uh, bit of it right here. But if you haven't listened to the um, remix, the 44 remix of this song, In reviewing the incidents of my administration, I am unconscious of intentional error. I'm nevertheless too sensible of my defects, not to think it probable that I may have committed many errors. I shall also carry with me the hope that my country will view them with indulgence, and that after 45 years of my life dedicated to its service with an upright zeal, the faults of incompetent abilities will be consigned to oblivion, as I myself must soon be, to the mansions of rest. I anticipate with pleasing expectation that retreat in which I promise myself to realize the sweet enjoyment of partaking in the midst of my fellow citizens. The benign influence of good laws under a free government the ever-favorite object of my heart and the happy reward, as I trust, of our mutual cares, labors, and dangers. One last time. It's just amazing. Yeah, for sure. All right, moving on to flabbergasted King George receives word that George Washington has stepped down and will be replaced by Paris signatory John Adams. John Adams becomes the second president and fires Hamilton, who publishes an inflammatory critique of the new president as a response in the face of accusations of speculation of government funds by Jefferson Madison Burr and out of fear that his affair with Murray Reynolds 
will be used against him in his political career. Hamilton chooses to publicize his affair in the Reynolds pamphlet, damaging his relationship with Eliza. Eliza, in a heartbroken retaliation, burns all the letters Hamilton wrote her, Mm -hmm. trying to erase herself from history. Philip, instructed by Hamilton, challenges George Eager to a duel and is critically injured uh, and dies, causing a reconciliation between Alexander and Eliza. Yeah. A lot happened there, obviously. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I, I had a note here that I love the dangly bits on the crown that Jonathan Groff is wearing. Oh, yeah. And, and especially like when he starts like doing his little like shimmy because like he doesn't move. No. At all, really. Um, but he does like this just thing with his shoulders and then, yeah, everything on his costume just comes alive. Yes. <laughs> um, and then when he does the like air quotes around country, yes. this moment was really funny. <laughs> As we talked about, like Hamilton's on his way out, but here's another, I've been, I, I've mentioned it a couple times already, but there's a mm-hmm. direct reference to the musical 1776 when Hamilton gets fired and he writes that screed, he's like, sit down, John. Cause that's a, that's a refrain from one of the most famous songs. Oh, from 1776. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And as they're going, you know, they, they're going to, Hamilton about the receipts. Yeah. This is where I noticed on the second viewing that like Mariah Reynolds is standing under the stairs watching all of that happen. And I was just like, Oh shit, that's a beautiful, like she didn't need to be there. She doesn't need to be there. You know? And then we go into that her into hurricane and we get a lot of great aerial shots that I feel like if you're sitting too close, no, there was, don't see some of that lighting. We both gasp at there's, there's one point where he's talking about the hurricane and like all of the, tables that are flipping that the 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 company is like flipping in the background it looks like a slow motion hurricane slows down and it's with the way the lights moving oh my god he's in the eye of the hurricane and burr coming around though because as he comes into the yeah to do that little bit of the wait for it refrain as that song is reaching a crescendo comes around on that turntable with his wait for it line and they shift into the Reynolds pamphlet. Yeah. And it's wild. And this is where King George just like gets giddy as a schoolgirl. <laughs> but yeah, as he's writing the Reynolds pamphlet, it's Mariah that hands him the quill. Oh, yep, that's rad. Isn't that nuts? That is nuts. Um, and as they're, you know, they're going, have you read this? And they've got the props that are the Reynolds pamphlet. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jefferson looks down at the front row of the audience, like shows his, like, you read this? He's like showing it, pointing at it. It's he's yeah, he's just so charming. And then, and then we go to Eliza getting this pamphlet. Like she, she's learning about this, not from Hamilton assuming. Right. Yeah. She's learning about this from the press essentially. And she's, she's done. And she decides to burn all this communicates and it becomes a moment where she's literally erasing herself from history. She's like, I won't be a part of this anymore. And Philippa suit just again, nails that performance. did tear up a little bit at this point. Yeah. Like it's just, it's such a, you can feel that like heartbreak that's happening on stage. 
and as she's literally lighting all of these on fire and throwing them into a bucket and there's practical fire that's burning all of these letters, which I mean, which is even more heartbreaking because at the, obviously at the end, Eliza's trying to like uh, to share the story and, and, and document all of these. Yeah. She comes back things. in and, and she, like she puts, she says she puts herself back in the narrative. Right. But, but she erased a lot of that, yep. you know? And, Oh yeah. yeah. So then um, somebody's talking shit about Hamilton and uh, Philip hears about it. Yeah. And his the, son. And this is kind of a problem that I had with, with, and it's not necessarily a problem, but like Hamilton at this point, and this is kind of harkens back to when, how his Hamilton's dynamic with George Washington and George Washington calling him son and not wanting that. Like, I feel like Hamilton was like, you're a grown man now. Like, I feel like you could be able to handle this and doesn't really, I mean, he, he enables him yeah, to, to go to this duel and, and gives him the advice that he needs. Gives him his guns. Yeah. But, but at the same time, like this is his son, like you should be protecting him, but he also is not doing that because I feel like he's, well, this is an opportunity. Like I, Hamilton literally was on the other side of this. Yeah. Um, when Washington was saying, you know, you, you don't have to protect my name. Exactly. Um, Hamilton's not discourt Like, it's like he understands. He's like, well, all right, but be smart about it. But again, <sighs> you know, we're, we're, we're in the middle of Hamilton's decline here. And um, yeah. so his, his son goes out and it's, it's a weird, it's a weird flex, but basically he's all like, ladies say I have a big dick, just like my dad. Yes. I mean, basically <laughs> that's, that's what that line is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. then they run into the ladies and the lady who, Tells him where to find George Eaker is the same one that the actress who plays the bullet. Oh yeah, that's right. She points him towards George Eaker. And then we get into that duel, more dual commandments. And it really, like, you know, it really is sad. Like as that gunshot happens and we, we get um sort of a percussion in the song and it's a heartbeat that persists through all of it yeah. until the end of stay alive when it's all you hear until it stops. Yeah. And, and that, that, that heartbeat happens at the beginning of the song and persists where to you forget about it until that's the only thing that's her left. anguish Ugh. in that, in that cry. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, that's uh blow us all away in the stay alive reprise. And it's just so damn sad. And then we get, it's quiet uptown again. The remix version of this thing by Kelly Clarkson is amazing. She takes his hand. It's quiet uptown. Forgiveness Can you imagine Forgiveness Can you imagine But it's where essentially um, Eliza and Alexander are moving forward past not just his infidelity but the death of their son because and again in the context of the show the construction of the story and how it's being told is is we're, we're getting that they they can only get through these things together which sucks yeah because like he doesn't deserve it at all no he doesn't and the fact that she uh, even entertains the idea or even it's just like okay yes and agrees to it is uh, heartbreaking yeah but again if if in the late 1700s everybody was a little bit more cool with being like, you know, open sexually. Maybe none of this would happen. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, this would be a very different musical. Yeah. If Eliza was just like, well, all right, Mariah, you could have a room in the back. 
And I will say like Lynn singing, it's quite uptown. And he's just like, it's almost like he's on the verge of like again crying, but yet it's just on that line. It's where it's where all of that gravitas. Every time he said my son comes home to roost because it's, it's all of the paternal things that he, that he felt good about Mm -hmm. that. That's, that's a, matchstick scaffolding like it's all collapsed because he was trying to support his son and now his son is dead exactly and it's just very sad so hamilton's endorsement of jefferson in the presidential election of 1800 results in further animosity between hamilton and burr who challenges hamilton to a duel via an exchange of letters hamilton writes his last letter in a rush while eliza tells him to go back to bed burr and hamilton travel to new jersey where everything is legal for the duel <laughs> during the duel both burr and hamilton fire at each other after 10 paces with hamilton intentionally missing his shot, um, you know, aiming it to the sky like he in- instructed his son to do. Yeah. Hamilton dies as a result with Eliza and Angelica at his side. Burr laments that even though he survived, he is cursed to be remembered as the villain who killed Hamilton. The musical closes with a reflection on historical memory showing how Eliza kept Hamilton's legacy al- alive. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the really getting that, like the heat of that moment where, where, uh, Hamilton is at his lowest point. Well, even before we get there and like when we get to that adversarial stuff with Burr where, you know, he gives his endorsement to Jefferson. Yeah. Watch it because he's doing that kind of like jokey, smiley, smiley. Like he's very performative as he's campaigning for himself. Yeah. Like against Thomas Jefferson. He feels like I've earned this. I'm I, 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 this is mine. Yeah. And they even have that little exchange about like, you know, talk less, uh, smile smile more, more, blah, blah, blah. And then um, as Madison and Jefferson are saying like, you know, wouldn't it be nice if Hamilton was on your side and they get them again, it's that, that physical and visual separation of the two mm-hmm. as the ensembles like, Oh shit. Oh shit. What's Hamilton going to say? And then Hamilton gives all of that long screed. And if you watch Leslie Adam Jr.'s face, Burr's face, like his smile gets bigger and bigger and bigger as Hamilton's talking. And then he hears Thomas Jefferson's face. And then it happens in reverse as the, and like you could just see, this is where, uh, another note where like in addition to costume details that you're noticing because of the proximity of the camera to the performers, mm-hmm. the, the performance, the hope and smile to a moment that is snatched and how it degrades you and your feelings and your emotion and all of that explained on Burr's face in that yeah, moment. Cause like it was ta- gorgeous. It's like five, I mean in real time, five or six seconds of, of him still smiling after Jefferson's name has been said. Yeah. It's just such a slow transition. Yeah. And you can see that just the hate that builds up within him that gives him the dry. Like I, I would at yeah. this point believe that he had the motive to do this. Yes. Um, but we get into that argument of letters between them, which was a little weird because it was kind of like a light moment. It, it, it was like tongue in cheek, but it just, it felt like, if it had, if it had continued to decline, it, the back half of the show would have felt like a slog for you, sure. You need something to pep, to pep, to you bring up, it back up a little bit, a little bit to prepare you for where it's about to send you. Yeah. But they, they continue again, another sort of like a uh, visual theme of the show and playing with the paper. Mm-hmm. Um, because even in, um, helpless satisfied, there's a whole scene about letters and it gets repeated and Angelica's like sort of handing all the letters off just like she did in the song yeah, before. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like the ensemble coming out with like, you know, he says, here's an itemized list of 30 grievances and they just keep handing pages off to Burr. And he's just like, are you fucking kidding me? And then withholds that last page. That's just a dot Hamilton. With, like, yeah. That's the one that's, um, that's, uh, Carly Betty all, 
who does like the little ballerina delivery of the yes. final page and he goes to take it from her. She's like, well, hold on. He's not done yet. Here you Blue. go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was, it was sassy and, and funny. It is. Um, but yeah, I, I guess that does make sense then to kind of bring yourself back up a little bit where it's, it's, it, there's definitely all of this is sarcastic yes. because it's like your obedient servant. Uh, woof. Yeah. Like, somebody ever wrote that to me. I'm sorry. Yeah. Boof. That's it's sort of like the, the historical contextual per my last email. Yeah. <laughs> per my last email. <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, and, uh, we get to the duel. Yeah, we get to the duel. Hamilton's also, writing his last letter to Eliza because this is one of the steps. Where she's saying, you know, she, she's she's saying, you just, you could just stay here. You don't have to go anywhere. She doesn't know what's up. Well, I know that, but like, she's saying come back to bed. Like. Because she doesn't know what's up. I know. And because it's she, heartbreaking. It really is. But one of those 10 dual commandments is to leave a letter behind so your loved ones know where you go. And that's the letter that he's writing. Yep. And the last thing he ever says to her is best of wives and best of women. That's his last line to Eliza. Gross. Well, I mean, he means it as like a compliment. Oh. Yeah. Like you, you are the best. Oh, okay. I took that the wrong way. No. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What? Anyways. It'd be like if I said best of husbands, best of man. In reference. To you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank you. There we go. There okay, we go. Got it, got it, yes. got it, got it, got it. And then, yeah, we go into another duel and we get sort of like the echoed theme of the 10 dual commandments and, and Burr's in control this time. Yeah. Um, and he's giving us sort of like extra bits like Hamilton has glasses. Why did he bring his glasses if he wasn't actually going to shoot me? Yeah. Which is a weird, a weird question. But, but it's, but it's him trying to rationalize yes. his, his, like I, I shot him. It's because he's wearing those glasses. He definitely was. He was going to shoot me. Yes. He's just trying to pull at anything to 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 ease his conscience. Yep. Uh, but you can't really do that because he pointed his gun in the sky, and mm-hmm. uh, we 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 get the um the bullet uh coming through the scene again. Yes. Um. Wow. It was it was just so well done. Well, and here's here's where I want to talk about this. So yes, it's this, it's Ariana DuBose yeah. as, as the bullet. And there's a whole article on digital spy that kind of outlines this. But what I saw floating around was this little like um, thing from Facebook. Um, Ariana DuBose, she plays the bullet. She's killed for a suspected espionage right after you'll be back. And is the first one to die, not counting Hamilton's mother or cousin who hangs himself. Mm. She's the first one to die in the action of the show. Got it. After this moment, she becomes an omen of death. Oh. At the beginning of stay alive, she carries a shot that narrowly avoids him hitting Hamilton. Remember it goes over his head. Yep. In Yorktown, she helps Lawrence kill a red coat, shakes his hand. Then Lawrence is the next to die during blow us all away. She's the one who tells Philip where to find George Eaker. Yeah. And flirts with him. Philip is literally flirting with death. Then Philip is the next to die during the final duel. She again, catches a bullet fired by Burr. And if you watch her, she gets closer and closer to hitting Hamilton while he's doing his soliloquy until Eliza pops onto the stage. At this point, the bullet is stopped by other members of the ensemble. The time freeze is abandoned and we all know what happens next. Yeah. So like that track, that performer's track becomes <sighs> like an omen of death. Oh my God. From, from Yorktown on. It's so subversive. Like it's so underneath everything. Right. And when you really, again, when you pay attention to the specific things that are going on and they made a point to in this, because I mean, it, it, the camera is, is showing us, like we do, we are not getting a complete picture of the stage no. at any given time. No, they make it a point to make sure that all of her the things that are happening with her are well documented, visible. Yeah, 
if not in some cases focused on. Yeah. Cause she's also like at one point she's uh, she has that conversation with, she's the one who brings the word to King George that John Adams is exactly the new president. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, But yeah, even, I mean like they talk about at one point uh, on again, Chris Jackson mentions this on Hamilton and we can ask Julian about it if we want to Sure. about how um, whenever, whenever the characters are moving forward or, or their story is progressing, the turntables moving counterclockwise and anytime they're fighting fate, or fate is coming to call like Hamilton's death. It's yeah. going clockwise. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. We get the, 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 the sort of end is, is what Eliza has, has pushed Hamilton's legacy forward. Mm-hmm. Um, she opened up that orphanage in New York. Yeah. Um, you know, like that was helped raise funds for the Washington monument. Exactly. It's like, you know, at the end of, it's like the end of like those, uh, um, true story movies where they're like, you know, picture of this person, they did this after what, you know, whatever that was kind right. of what that was. Yes. Yeah. And it's just, it's really thrilling and kind of, um, I don't know, special. I don't know Yeah, that a woman is closing out. It's like of this story, it's, it's, it's his, his wife. It's a woman. It's a, she's the last, color. I mean, she's the last sound you hear. Yeah. She's the, she's the final moment of the show and the first bow. Yeah. Like she's, a crux to it. And again, there's, there's criticisms about, about how this, how this is, is, uh, presented, but it's just, I don't know. It's, it's really well done. Again, people who are at the top of their game, um, being excellent craftsmen. And I'm just, I'm so glad this is on the, on the platform now. Yeah. So yeah, that's, uh, Hamilton budget and reception on this one is a little bit weird to talk about because you don't really talk about like the, sh- the show and it's a platform release. So it's very, it's very, uh, yeah. So the, the notes that I put down here was the, the, the stage production, its budget was 12.5 million. Yeah. Um, and this is also including when it was off Broadway and then on Broadway. Sure. 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 All of that. I don't know how much money this has made. They don't, they don't, I don't think they've really put out. And I don't know if Disney's going to, but we do know that like as a Disney plus exclusive, like prior to its drop, it had 54.5 million subscribers. Yes. And then, they were reporting just after the weekend, a 74% boost in subscriptions. Whatever that means. Like I, I math is hard. Math I think hard. it's about an extra nine or not million. What am I talking about? Subscribers. Oh shit. See, I'm even looking at the wrong numbers. Math is hard. That's what I'm saying. It's not 75. It's not a 75% boost. Now that I think about it, that was downloads, not subscriptions. Yeah. So these could still be just trials. Nonsense. Uh, well, no, Disney Plus doesn't have trials anymore. Oh, that's right. So that's that's, Ooh, that's shady. Right. And that's the big thing is like this being <laughs> such a huge thing to drop on there. You do have to spend six ninety nine, which honestly, compared to the ticket price of a Hamilton ticket, I mean, is minuscule. Like it's nothing. That's very cheap compared to other huge drops exactly. I've paid for now, in the now, past. Mind you, <laughs> you do have to continue paying that six ninety nine. just ran right over that fo- joke, folks. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Uh, you do have to continue paying that six ninety nine every month in order to keep your access to Hamilton. So, but just like with Disney annual passes, if you watch Hamilton enough, it eventually pays for itself. True enough. <laughs> um, I mean, again, the numbers are still early, and it's weird to talk about critical reception because this is of this movie and not of the stage play. But on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a ninety nine percent. Yes. Um, the viewers uh, also were, were very positive about it. It was a 93%. Um, 
there uh i i did go through and find all of the one star reviews that i could and these oh, are all of them no. as going no <laughs> riley s two days ago said that lin-manuel miranda can't sing well that's your opinion yep uh rodrigo z three days ago said come on really rapping about founding fa- founding fathers cheesy as fuck hi i'd like to welcome you to broadway where we do a show about puppets having sex yeah anyway uh max w two days ago said the play sucked the music sucks this movie sucks so okay max, i feel like calm he kind of came into it with the intention of not liking it i don't know if he's watched it or not still max needs to minimize a little bit 100 um and, and then danielle t three days ago said that it was boring a boring film and unrealistic well and you know it has been criticized for not being accurate because i don't think those founding fathers actually sang those songs i don't think so either <laughs> It is what it is, and it's the behemoth that it is, and it can stand up to criticism. It can rise up. Oh, Lord. Um, (laughs) And again, in terms of awards, like uh, I recently saw on Twitter, I think that um, it's not going to be eligible for Oscars, but potentially it will be for Emmys and Golden Globes. Yeah. Um, And otherwise, there's no awards that it can't have yet because it's a week old, people. Right. Um, But uh, the stage production got a shit ton of Tonys. And again. Uh, it, it's an artifact of its time. And and here's the thing I keep alluding to in terms of the criticism, like is that it, you know, whitewashes history and that there are people of color portraying slave owners and not addressing directly the issue of slavery. Yeah. We, and we'll talk about this with Jillian. The uh, Sally Hemings is played for a joke and she was, uh, she was the slave that, um that Thomas Jefferson had children. I mean, he raped yeah. her. Um, so like I saw Tracy Clayton, who's the host of Netflix's strong black legends. She tweeted about understanding the frustration about it being a play about slaveholders. That is not about slavery. Mm-hmm. Um, Roxanne Gay tweeted that she thinks it's a brilliant show uh, and not some vulnerable upstart. And it can handle the critical engagement and the performances uh, and the book and music will still be incredible. Like it can, both of those things can be true. Yeah. And then there was the whole, the, the play, the haunting of Lin-Manuel Miranda that was written by Ishmael Reed as a critical response to Hamilton because of these issues that um, the late author, Tony Morrison helped support, like she funded it. Yeah. Um, and then I found this uh, really great article and I'll link it in the show notes. Uh, it's from the Harvard Gazette. It's a piece called correcting Hamilton that discusses uh, historian Annette Gordon Reed's criticism saying that she likes the show, but a Broadway show is not a documentary. Artists have a right to create and historians sure. have a right to critique. Mm-hmm. So yeah, all of this is valid. And I think we agree with Tracy Clayton that it honestly shows a degree of progress that we can examine it critically. And, and like I said, it can stand up to it. Yeah. Like it's, it's Hamilton. This isn't a textbook that we're Correct. watching. We're watching something that somebody has taken from Honestly, it's twice removed from from whatever the truth or or the facts are. It's it's something to be said for the exposure that this puts out there and the questions that this raises and then lets people then go and explore what Hamilton really was. This show did not teach me specifics about the founding fathers so much as it taught me there was more I needed to learn about the founding fathers. Yeah. But yeah, and to that point, like we go into some of this with Jillian. She's, of course, the host of the Hamilcast. We talked about that, but also one of the co-hosts of True Crime Obsessed and the producer of Ted and Michael Reed sketches into microphones. She was a delight to talk to. We talk about this sort of at a top level. We talk about um, how her conversations with some of these actors who've had these same thoughts and have done the same yeah. research. Um, and we geek out about costumes and stuff. And it's just really excited. And um uh, I'm happy to bring it to you. What, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. Uh, Here we go. Here we go.
All right, so now we've got a really special treat. We are so fortunate to be joined by none other than Jillian Pensavale, host of Hamilcast, co-host of True Crime Obsessed. Um, for our listeners who are unfamiliar with you, like, give us a little brief bio and like what you do and and what's what's popping. Sure. Well, my name is Jillian, and yeah, I yeah. I am a I'm a podcaster, which is very um, bizarre and surreal and fun to say. I didn't yeah. know I wanted to do that. That wasn't something I wasn't aware that is so, that was something a person could do as they say in a certain musical. What were you doing like immediately before you realized, Oh, I'm a professional podcaster. Well, you know, my Mike, my husband and I, we have, we are just creative people. He's an actor and writer and director. And so we had a web series called the residuals that we, oh, it was a, right. a comedy web series about actors who do commercials because you know, he, he is an actor who does commercials and I was doing that for, for quite some time. And it's a ridiculous situation those auditions a lot of people take themselves way too seriously it's silly oh, and so we would be sitting in these waiting rooms and we were like well because the thing about this business and being a creative person and now I mean it's so bizarre to be talking about this during COVID but you have to kind of make your own stuff a lot of the time you know yeah. instead of just waiting around for some casting director to like you maybe um so we made it and we made the thing and we I didn't know anything about how to make a web series much like a podcast so uh -huh. um we I was doing a lot of that and then I realized I heard Hamilton for the first time in October of 2015 yep. I hadn't seen it I hadn't listened to podcasts I have ADHD so it's very hard for me to focus on something that's not visual I find mm -hmm. myself rewinding a lot and just missing what is being said. Um, so I just realized I have never felt the urge to do something the way I feel about, I just want to start a podcast about Hamilton, which is weird because I haven't seen it and I have no podcasting equipment and I don't know how podcasts work. So yeah. I started it and I hadn't seen it. Um, in January of 2016. So we're going on four and a half four years. Four and a half years. Yeah. <laughs> and then I just like, I fell in love with podcasting. I I'm a big learn by doing person. Mike and I didn't know how to run a web series. And now we're SAG signatory producers. I didn't know how to do a podcast and I just made it. Um, and then I remember I called up Patrick Hines one day. We, we became friends in the Broadway. He was in the Broadway community. And uh, of course, and he was, he was like the, the Broadway podcaster and he really embraced yeah. the, the podcast and we became friends. And I called him one day and I was like, I want to start a comedy. Uh, no, I want to start a true crime podcast and I want to solve the Zodiac. Do you want to do this with me? And he, <laughs> said yes. And we, <laughs> I went to the library, like Robert Graysmith. I was like, yeah. And then I made images about, I used like very creepy, like the Zodiac letters and made like a podcast image. And then we realized, you know what? There are much better people to solve the Zodiac. Like we are not cut out for this <laughs> at all. I don't know what we were thinking. And then he had this idea, well, let's do this sort of fancy pants, like segmented three, three segment podcast, um, where it would be like an interview with someone in the true crime world, 20 minutes of commentary on a documentary. And then like today in true crime. And I was like, um, <laughs> let's start. I mean, he humored me with the Zodiac stuff. I'll humor him yeah. with this. We'll try it out. And it was the, that middle section where we were just commenting on documentaries that really worked. And I always say, if you listen to the early episodes of true crime obsessed, it sounds like we're not, we're trying to not disturb the person in the next room. Like we're very, like he's trying not to laugh and he's asking my question on the cinematography and the, the legal choices of the lawyer. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, but that sister thinks that guy who doesn't look like her brother is her brother. Cause we were talking about the imposter. I was like, that's <laughs> yes. kind of what I want to talk about here. Like, can we just like talk shit about murders and, and stuff? Like I, I have a lot of stuff to work through. 
after I have a lot of trauma and anxiety in my life. I need to, I need to work out. So then we started doing that and we realized that we wanted to make it our jobs and we did. And so now I get to do the Hamilcast and True Crime Obsessed and produce Mike's sketch comedy podcast. And that's my whole life is talking to microphones. And I just completely took over your podcast for the last 10 minutes. No, that's fine. No. It's because I am full disclosure. I am a Patreon member for True Crime Obsessed. Oh, fun. Yes. And I'm loving the McMillions coverage. And we actually binged McMillions when it hit. Yeah. And I was tweeting about what's the woman's name? Um, it's the the black woman who's flips on the whole case and like Gloria. her whole story. Yes. I was tweeting about like how McMillions was just a fun romp until her story. And now I feel bad. And guess who replied to my tweet? Patrick. Frank. Let me tell you something about Frank Colombo. Frank Colombo, here's what Frank Colombo does. Because I felt the same way about Gloria. I was like, this is is ridiculous. And then like we hear, because I I, I said, I don't know if this episode's out yet because we're we're super far ahead. And we're also doing I'll Be Gone in the Dark, the HBO thing coming up. Yeah, it's so good. Um, But- I was like, yeah, you you think like, oh, who's the victim here? Like a, j- a zillion dollar corporation. And right. then you meet Gloria and you're like, oh, they preyed on her. She was in a re- really vulnerable spot. Here's yes. what Frank Colombo does, because I keep getting alerts that Frank Colombo likes tweets I'm mentioned in. <clears throat> what he does is because he's not tagged in them. He that Frank Colombo searches on Twitter. He searches the word McMillions on Twitter and then just likes everything because I did. I, I went down. I was like, this is insane. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, it's it's kind of sad now. And he replied, like, just wait, it gets better. And I was like, Clancy, look what just like literally as we're <laughs> watching. Go to his profile. Check his likes. It's all that it's it's Jeez. he's got a lot of time on his hands. Frank Colombo. Super creepy. Yeah. Um, but but back to Hamilton, you said you listened to it first. You started yeah. the podcast and the first couple episodes. You really you do kind of a deep dive into the book itself. Right, because I here's what I've learned a lot in these 225 episodes of the Hamilcast. <laughs> and one of them was that, first of all, I I thought at first, well, in case I don't have anything to say, in case there's nothing to talk about, we'll yeah. just do Chernow. Like it was easy to just, and you know, when Lynn was on the, the podcast for the first time, he said that it's, you that know, he reads it. parter, right? The Lynn Toberfest? Lynn Toberfest, yeah, yeah. He yeah. just, his first episode for the second round was just came, came out today as Mike dubbed it Lindependence Day. Come on. Lindependence? So I keep calling it Lindependence <laughs> Day shit. observed because it's the sixth. Um, but he was like, yeah, Chernow, you know, Chernow, he'll read Chernow like it's a novel. And I'm like, no, it's super well written. But here's the thing. When you are new to podcasting and you're new to this story, the deep dive that Chernow did, like that's the whole point, right? Like no one was really taught as much as we should have been taught about these people sure. in school. Um, and then I put this responsibility on myself to to explain it to people who were listening (laughs) and it took a long time. Like I would research it. I would make outlines. Like it was just a lot. It was like not the best idea. And so we, we went through a bunch of episodes, but then cast members wanted to come on and I was like, well, turn out. I mean, I got to put you aside and people still ask about it and I feel really bad, but it takes up now with three podcasts. Like it takes up a lot of time to, to do those. Cause people are like, Oh, if you don't have anyone, like it's so easy, just do a churn out app. And I'm like, well, you read churn out. It's like, but I have to explain it. Like I can't explain how he wrote financial systems into existence. He just did it. Right. I don't know. (laughs) And and if if people really want, want the meat of it, like it's, it's there, go get it. It's there. Absolutely. It's there. So I kind of started, I started this thing that I couldn't finish and I do feel bad about it when people ask, but it's, it's just a lot. It's a, it's, it's more work than people think. Well, yeah. When, when the cast started to approach you, like, what was that like? And what, as I think, um, almost as an interviewer, as a person who is, you know, being media 
you know, capital M air quotes. What is your approach uh, from the fan space and interviewing the creatives who are involved in the shows show? Yeah. You know, it's, I feel like you two will, will relate to this. Like I don't use, I'm not offended by it, but I don't use the word interview because Mm. that's like, we're just hanging out like we're doing right now. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just like, well, you know, come over. I'll make you a cocktail. I'll make you apps. Or if you don't, you know, if you don't want to drink, that's fine. Um, Tommy Kale had his green tea, non-caffeinated. It was a whole thing, (laughs) but he got it. You know, so I'm very much about the hospitality and, and being as as welcoming as possible. So absolutely, the idea that people wanted to come over to my home on their one day off and talk to me about this grueling job was surreal. And I, I, you know, I didn't know I didn't have a goal when I started. I didn't have a plan. I just kind of did it. <laughs> and then it just kind of, I just was along for the ride and it was fantastic. And so when people were, or I'd approach people and they'd say, oh, you know, like, I, like what took you so long? You know, like I've been waiting for this, for this email or, you know, people, when people were starting to really know about it and want to be on or, you know, I'd get a cast member from, I'd get a message from a cast member saying like, so is it my turn or what? And I'm like, oh, wow. Like there was a moment where I was like, all right, I'm kind of, I'm being like disgust in the Richard Rogers theater for better or for worse. And the first time Nick Walker came over, um, he's an ain't too proud now. He's a dear friend of, of mine and Mike's. And he was like, just so you know, it's like, okay, here's like, here's your, your dressing room. Scientology pizzas across the street. That's the pizza joint and the Hamilcast. And I was like, Nick, are you? And he was like, that's the conversation that it's like, it, it, you're like in our welcome packet. Like that's the deal. And so it's been, so it's, it's, a, it's an honor that people want to still, and especially now after all this time, you know, I've been doing it for four and a half years, but someone like Kurt Crowley, Scott Wasserman, yeah, Steph Clem. I mean, these people have been involved for years and they still yeah. are, are willing to talk to me and, and tell me things they've never told anyone else. And it's like, it's a true honor. And there's still so much I feel like that that there is to learn. I listened to the three part C-Jack episode. Oh, C-Jack's the best. And honestly, that prepped me for viewing R.E. the intricacies of staging movement on the turntable mm-hmm. and how surprised he was about that. And I even like at points was like smacking Clancy like, OK, watch here. Now, look, see, because it's going <laughs> counterclockwise. That means that they're moving forward. But when it goes clockwise, they're working against fate. And Clancy was just like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. And you know, the fact that Lynn listened to the, the Andy Blankenbuehler episodes and he's learning stuff and he wrote it. Oh, that's, that's insane. Oh, that, wow. Like, and the, I love, cause there's so many things that you learn through the podcast, which is like, well, it takes a village to put on a show and stage managers sure. are important, are important and company managers are important and things don't just happen. One of the things that we talked about as we were going through the scene by scene is some of the lightning fast lighting cues. And it's why they won the Tony just like, boom, boom, boom. Mm-hmm. It's just bananas. The level of skill from all of the craftspeople on this show. Absolutely. Yeah. And I love that. Like that's universal, right? Like, that, you yes. know, it takes a village to put on any show, but at the same time, like Hamilton can be so, so singular in the fact that the, the author of it is learning things from his choreographer. Yes. Like last week. Yeah. I mean, th- that's, that is, that's, that's a standalone. It's a, it's a certain type of onion, the show, but I love that exactly. at the same time people, you know, I get these incredible emails, like from young women who, who are inspired by Holly Campbell and Deanna Weiner and Emily Roney, these women who are, are making this show happen and you don't see them. So when, when I hear things like, oh, the, like the conductor, like when, when back, back in the before times when live theater was a thing and people were allowed to be outside <laughs> and, and in each other's company, yeah. the, you know, the stage manager would get stage doored 
people would ask for their autographs on the playbill. You know what I mean? Oh, like the sound, you know, Annalie so Craig, nice. who's working the sound booth. Everyone recognized her from her badass hair. Like she would sign a playbill. And that's like, <laughs> that's something that I didn't, I didn't plan to do that, but I'm happy to be screaming about, you know, like the whole thing with the Hamilcast, like the Patreon peeps is like, when you see the show, like who's in your insert, please take a picture of the insert. What ensemble member was on today? What swing did yeah. you see? It's like collecting baseball cards. And that's another thing too. Like this whole, you know, the, the original cast of everything is on such on a pedestal. And for a lot, for so many reasons, like, of course they are like, look at Davi mm -hmm. Diggs, look at Renee Elise Goldsberry. Like, of course. However, you can have this forever and still be excited when it comes through your town and yes. you're seeing or on Broadway, you're seeing Eddie Lee and Asian Hamilton. Like, oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and even like we've only seen it once. We saw the L.A. tour at the Pantages that had I don't I, uh, I we've got a playbill somewhere, but I distinctly remember Rory O'Malley was our King uh -huh. George. Sure. And as we were watching it on Disney Plus, you know, Groff comes out and Clancy goes, Oh, I don't know if I like this compared to what, <laughs> because Rory was, I, what did I compare him to the Riddler almost? Like if the Riddler yeah. was playing King George, mm. like it's maniacal as opposed to sinister. Sure. Um, And it's, it was phenomenal. And it was, it still was a great King George. It's just like, well, it's interesting that actors who are skilled can take the same historical figure and that you get something different out of that performance. I got a text from a friend of mine the other day who just said simply, I get it now. And I knew exactly what he meant. And you know, <laughs> yep. I knew exactly what he meant. And we, he, he's in a hundred percent, by the way, he was like, Oh my God, like the nice. orphanage. I can't believe that. And I was like, Nick, look, there are a couple of phrases that like Hamill fans just kind of know the orphanage is one of them. Forgiveness is the other. He was like, I can't even read that word without getting chills. Oh my God. Like he's in a hundred percent now, but mm -hmm. he was asking, he was asking me questions like, you know, the interpretations of, he was asking about like Jefferson specifically, like, how because you can kind of go in a million different ways about that and I was like well David yeah. who you just watched like he plays it as such a snake like he's so he's like a colleague of Hamilton and they kind of play it he kind of plays it on the same level and he's he's such a snake and such a dick and the, I say that with love I mean it's fantastic of course. but I was like you know James Iglehart for example who's on it now he plays it more of like because he's such a Broadway veteran and he his he his vibe just as a whole is different from David's. Yeah. He plays it with a little more authority. Like, all right, sit down, little one. Like, go home. Like, go to bed. Like mm. in a George Washington y, like, you know, go home. And I'm like, yeah. so that's awesome too. But they it's still, it's still the same at the core, it's the same, but you can play that very differently, you know. It's almost like seeing um different productions of Shakespeare in a way. Like Absolutely. That's exactly what he said. Oh yeah, I didn't I didn't think about how when Juliet says such and such a line, it could be played this way, blah, 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 mm -hmm. whatever. Like it's just interesting that we can like, yeah, like you said, you can watch it on Disney Plus, and then if it's touring through your town, you know, if we ever get to a point where we're in theaters again. <laughs> you know. Um, Hopefully the, where you can and then you can have even those discussions of like what you liked better about this performance or that performance yeah. or whatever. But one of the things that I love about because when we saw it, we were orchestra level and I want to say we were in the double letters, but probably like, I don't know, like EE. -E. Yeah, and this is at the Pantages. So still on, you know, in the house mm -hmm. um, a little bit back. So a few things that I, I love about seeing it on Disney Plus that we completely missed were um, a lot of the lighting design choices, especially with the targeting on the, on the floor. Because you couldn't yep. really make that out. Yeah. And the different details in the costumes. Now, here's a question. I, I Because I haven't gone through all 200 plus episodes of the Hamilcast. One of the things that I noticed about the women, about the Skylar sisters specifically, is they come out in the Skylar sisters. And it's the very simple, it's, it's the iconic look. But then in the next scene, they've got, is it a 
jacket over or is it a completely different bodice? It's a jacket. It's a jacket over it. I feel okay. like <laughs> because I was looking at the buttons yeah. going, they don't look like practical buttons. Is it a different bodice? But because then my thought was those jackets have to be exquisitely tailored. And then right. the corsets themselves, like I felt awful for Renee and Philippa and, and Jasmine Cephas Jones. Yes. 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 About not being able to gain any weight and how those corsets had to be a certain like, is any of that, am I valid in that? Or, or did those corsets have give? No, you they're know? very, it's, I mean, it's all true. Like Paul Taswell is a genius. The quality yeah. of it is so you can really see, and this is coming from someone who's like been backstage at the Rogers and has been, I've has seen all of that up close. It comes Ugh. through even almost even more so in the pro shot. Like my God. Um, but yeah, and the Angelica's corset is, jacket when she's in England. Oh, with the umbrella, that oh. jacket. Yeah. With mm-hmm. the umbrella and all of the mm-hmm. different lapels and oh how very God. specifically stylized. And then after the second viewing, I even realized that, oh, by the end of the show, all the women are in empire waist dresses. And that uh-huh. shows a passage of time. Yep. I love the detail a costume designer goes into. It's 100 degrees in here and I'm getting chills. Can you guys see it? Yeah. So it is very tight, but, it, you know, quick changes are a thing. And, right. you know, there's, there's hidden zippers and. Um, sure. But yeah, it's like everything you said can be true at the same time, you know. It's just so clever that each of the the progression of time, the progression of their characters, the progression of their costumes, it really is just additional, very quick layers to throw on. Mm-hmm. Look, Emily Roney and Chris Leary are two yeah. dressers who um, Emily Roney dresses all three Skylar sisters. So she's oh. she's who you want to listen to. And again, this is all college theater. But like we did. What did I do? I was bottom in midsummer and it was sort of um, the same time period. And I'm remembering corsets and layers and mm-hmm. heavy fabrics and like even in that one shot when George Washington is sending Hamilton off and see Jack just has sweat pouring oh, yeah. down his face and all yeah. I can think is how are you not wiping that off how mm-hmm. are you so fucking focused oh, yeah. that that sweat dripping in your uh, eyes isn't distracting you totally totally yeah so I don't I I don't want to speak out of turn for Emily. no of course not she, but she went in. I mean, and the listeners had so like the Patreon peeps, you know, had had so many fantastic questions for her. She's awesome. And Kimmy Mark too. Kimmy Mark, who's just like an angel on this earth. She dresses only Washington and Burr. That's it. Oh, wow. And they so, do have. And that's the other thing is like you, you forget how many costumes, because if you're not paying attention, you don't realize that a piece has been changed that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that something drastic said to happen. Cause even by the end, all of the ensemble ladies, who were in corsets previously are now just in vests. Yep. And again, yep. that took a second viewing of the Disney plus version for me to go, Oh shit. Again, progress time. Like yeah. it's a visual language. Yeah. Well, and, just- that, and, and honestly, like from being so far back, even from where we were to be able to, to identify who each person is, mm. yes. even though their costumes are changing, but there's still this language that's within their costume. The color stories were consistent. Right. Yeah. Yes. It's yes. Yes. So good. Yeah, you know, David Corrins, who is the set designer, he has things on that set that you don't see that are, you know, like when when they're entering from from the sides, you know, coming sure. into the bar or the party. There are just little things like a a cup, like a teacup or books or things that are just of the time. That's really just to to make it as real and and have the the whole air of the place feel like it's supposed to but you you'll never see that no matter like yeah. in the best version of disney plus you'll never no. see yeah. it but it's there <laughs> so that woman 5 can 
before she comes out for helpless or whatever it is. My dream would be a VR experience where I could select which camera I'm viewing oh. the show through. <laughs> yeah. Because we there are yeah. some moments where there's a cut and, and Tommy did an amazing job. Like this is one of the things we also talked about. When you watch live theater filmed, there's already that major degree of removal because being in the audience, there's there's it's energy, right? It's yeah. sharing this experience with other people and and being in the room with artists who are doing that thing with their voice eight shows a week without right. any production on top of it. Like they are clear and precise vocalists and performers. And so there's automatically something that you that you get watching a, a taped performance of live theater. But having I feel like they the show benefits from having the same director say, OK, if I have to point somebody's eyes in this direction, mm. this is where I want to point them. And this is how I want to point them. And this is what I want them to see. Yeah, there, there was one point where you were you were talking about uh, Mariah in the background under the stairs and really. On stage, you may have missed her. Like, mm -hmm. you may have not really been paying attention to that, but it was just framed just so that, like, you can you can find those little things as that they're blackmailing the him. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say right before Hurricane, right before she's yes, like, right yeah, before yeah. Hurricane, yep. she's under the stage right staircase, mm -hmm. just looking. She doesn't practically, she does not need to be there, but the story that having her there tells about, mm -hmm. because Eliza does it earlier in act one as Hamilton's doing all this fighting and she's walking around the top level, yep. hovering in the back of our view and thus in the back in theory of Hamilton's mind. Absolutely. And it's just, there's something about the capital S stagecraft of the mm -hmm. whole show that uh, the thing I tweeted was like, I could watch the show 10 times and still be finding new stuff and want to watch it on an 11th and a 12th and a 13th. And guess what? You can. you can, you can. And we can. Yes. Oh, it's so exciting. <laughs> I was talking to Lynn ab about that too, because he said ex almost exactly. It's so funny. Like he said exactly that about Mariah just right in hurricane, like because of how it's staged. And of course, you know, People email me a lot and say, what should I look for? And I say, just enjoy it. Don't go in trying yeah. to look for something just because you're going to get, just go. You're going to miss things. That's why this podcast has mm -hmm. been around for as long as it, you're just going to miss things. Right. And, that's, and that's fine because while you're missing one thing, you're seeing another amazing thing. Don't worry about it. But he said, you know, he loved the shot of you really see Mariah handing him the quill in Hurricane to write the Reynolds pamphlet. And he said, you know, mm -hmm. there's no universe. Right. Yeah. No, yeah. depending on where you're sitting. Absolutely. Or what you're looking at or what the lighting, the whatever. And he said, you know, there's no universe in which she actually would hand him a quill, but we're in his mind. And so it's so mm -hmm. it's like what you're saying is so accurate because they're blackmailing him about her. So she's creeping up in the back of his mind and there she is on stage. Right. And then she comes and she hands him the quill so that he can have some stupid holier than thou moment about admitting that he cheated on his wife in his own house. Like he's just, <laughs> mm -hmm. he's such a dick, but the way that it's, it's still, you can still be in awe of the, the, the very smart and also just beautiful choices of that shot where every, cause the shot that Tommy chose. And I'm going to talk to the editor of the Hamill film too. Jonah, I'm so excited. Um, oh, that's exciting. We'll have to listen I'm to that one. I'm so, so excited. I'm, we're going to talk about all this. Um, yeah, just the shot that Tommy chose where it's like, because it's that beautiful blue light and there's such chaos and then she comes yes. and it's like in slow motion with the quill. And it's like, Tom, Mike, I mean, it's like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I love how well they set up that visual glossary early on of blue light spotlight means introspection, self-reflection. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I got from whatever connection I still have to my theater education was how capital C classical, the construction of the narrative is in that mm. 
the 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 ensemble is fulfilling the function of a Greek chorus physically, but it's the named characters who are fulfilling the function of the Greek chorus verbally. Like those characters, they all step out and say, "This is what I'm thinking." And this is the impact it's having, which is traditionally a function of the chorus. But like, then you go into the choreography and how some of these things are staged. And C. Jack even mentioned it on the three parter that you just did about how um, let let the ensemble tell how you're feeling mm-hmm. and focus in on you know the acting that you're doing in this moment, while the ensemble really pushes those emotions and those actions. And I was just like sit, being able to, again because it's on Disney Plus, being able to go, oh fuck, that's so smart. Like they, mm-hmm. they're setting up all of this visual vocabulary that gives you a little bit of a more emotion, like a, a, an easier emotional entryway to go, sure. oh, okay, this is thoughts and feelings. And it's honestly the best execution of it, aside from, you know, the final soliloquy at the end, is sure. the transition from helpless and dissatisfied. Oh, I mean, yeah. like that, how much time you oh. have. I mean, right? I mean, yeah. And watching it the second time, I, I is when I realized, oh shit, she doesn't move from that spot on stage until her sister grabs her hand, mm-hmm. and I was just like, oh, yeah. Yeah, sisters, there they are. See, look, oh. <laughs> yes, the goosebumps up, yeah. Uh, um, because Clancy yeah. goes, is she doing the same dance? And I was like, yes, yes. Oh yeah, she's literally doing that. Like it's all, it's all timed perfectly, exactly, and it's mm-hmm. all yeah. mirrored, and it's just in that blue light. And then as the candles come in and you know, she gets handed the goblet again. And yeah. And I honestly can't think, I, I know that people have written about it and there's that whole Washington post piece with the four boys talking about that scene, particularly mm-hmm. that just came out recently, but there's something about like the concept of even in a music, I, I, I can't remember another musical where the same moment has been examined multiple times by multiple characters that you both right. root for. Yeah. Yeah. And seeing that dichotomy. And there was something else I think might've been in that Washington post piece where they talk about how it, it even that staging further emphasized the theme of the show about your story changes, depending on who's telling it. I don't know if I'm going to blow your mind. I've never done this. This is not, this is just information I've learned, but you know, they do yeah. that twice in the show because they do that in room where it happens. The same conversation happens three times, go back and watch room where it happens and you see it from everyone's perspective. It's Fucking crazy. Oh my God. Yeah, it's oh, you're insane. you're 100% right. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? God, now I got to watch it again. Yeah. God oh damn no. It. You just have to watch <laughs> Hamilton again. Oh no. You just have to watch it again. <laughs> yeah. But in the Washington Post piece, they talk about how sort of in, in the creative meetings about that, they called that ratatouilleing mm-hmm. because it's a reference to that, that scene in Ratatouille where the food critic eats the ratatouille and does that zoom back uh, yeah. to like his childhood and like yada, yada, yada. And once I read that, I was just like, oh my God, that's absolutely correct. Yep. Even what you were saying, just to go about the chorus, like, you know, that role, I mean, you know, their ensemble, but like you were saying, the Greek chorus. Um, Yeah. During Say No to This, when they're begging him and screaming no, like they can't believe that he, like, he's not going to do it, is he? Oh my God, he's going to do it. Oh my God, he's doing it. No. And they're screaming at him to stop doing it. It's incredible to me. And in Wait For It, they're not, they're not on stage, but they are all on stage. Like they're all just outside of Burr's light reflecting back that wait for it. And you even had that sort of cognitive dissonance about like, wait, is this, is the echo an effect? Yeah. Because when they're, when they're, the chorus is doing the echo for when he says, wait for it. Mm -hmm. And then you hear that happen. But when you get to like the, the, the most, the biggest part of that song and they actually do introduce a, an affected echo on Burr's voice but they're also still echoing behind it. It's just so many layers to it. It was just like, Oh my God, this is so amazing to listen to. And yeah. Yeah. Especially I mean, on like our surround sound. It was woof. Oh, that, <laughs> yeah, that 
totally. And we can do it like when we wrap, if we wanted, whenever we we want want. to, we can do it whenever we want. It's amazing. Um, (laughs) but so I'm, I'm like, I'm very proud to say that the podcast as a whole is such a companion piece, like an audio commentary to the Hamill film, but Andy's episodes in particular are, are so, I mean, he's such a, a wonderful storyteller and he visualized, I mean, when he was, he was the last person I had over before lockdown. Um, yeah. So, and he's a leaner and I'm a leaner and we were just like, we couldn't like get enough of it. And it was the best, but I was, I tweeted during the party that was so big. I didn't even see you guys there, which is crazy oh because my God, you know, when huge. you go to such a big party, like it's like it being a yeah. podcast con, we just couldn't see and each other. And we even had to like filter how we were tracking the hashtag because otherwise it oh. was just going to keep moving. I was just like, I, the only time I stopped is when Lynn said, all right, we'll start again at 830 because he had to like put his kids to bed or whatever. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. But I, I couldn't, I wasn't and we following completely it. missed that and just kept rolling right along. <laughs> I was like, all right, we took the two minute intermission. Right. And then I was like, oh, okay, well, they're, they're, at, they're at say no to this shit. All right. I'm still at take a break. Okay. All right. Um, but, oh God, I lost my train of thought. I forgot what I was going to, oh, but uh, wait, I tweeted this, I think during the party or sometime, some other time that wait for it is one of the, the songs that is discussed May, I don't want to say the most, but it keep we just keep coming back to wait for it and keep coming back to burn like Deontay Goodman. I'm I'm thinking about like the uh, to speak to talk to these men and and hear how they are interpreting those that vocabulary and who who was in those chairs to them those four chairs watching Burr like is yeah. it. Is it himself? Is it his mother? Is it is it the people he's mentioning? And like every person who talks about it, I'm like, yep, yeah, nope, that that tracks. And then the, and then I'll have a conversation the week later with another with another Burr who says something different, and I'm like, nope, that tracks too. Like it's just it can it's so universal and just the way the what these people bring to every role, like Mariah too. Like some people you know, that dress is super sexy and it's like, it's oh, great. Lord. And it's like, you know, sexy. Crazy didn't realize it was the same actress at first. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, well, a wig just... and a dress change. will do that. Oh, to and you. That lift- <laughs> oh please. Um, but you know, so there are women who say, yeah, it's all about the dress that tracks or people say, you know, she was in, we're not, there are a lot of things that we're not talking about in Hamilton about that time. Yep. And one of them is mental health and how she was abused. You know, like Mariah's not, that dress is killer, but it doesn't erase what she was really going through. Like, no. so it's yeah. just really amazing to to hear how everyone can be doing that same, the same staging and the same movement with a different feeling in their heart. And somehow it just, it all works. It's just, it's like, yeah, I can't get over it. I did see a tweet that was like, one thing I'm thankful for is that Glee ended before Hamilton came out. <laughs> oh yeah. That's a fantastic. Fantastic point. Yeah. Everyone no, else that's do fine. It. We don't need to imagine. But um, before we go, like, like, yeah, in terms of the show, like, what do you love about the Disney Plus version? Like, what do you think is really great about this particular edition compared to, I don't know, what you've seen before, or how it compares to how you saw it before? Yeah. Well, other than the fact that we just have it, which is yeah. just always at the top. I'm just going to, that's just going to be assumed. I think I'm just going to live my life. Like it's assumed that the first, everyone knows like the fact that we have it is the number one thing um, mm-hmm. because we just have it. But I love that everyone is showcased so well, like the ensemble, like you really um, get to have a real understanding and appreciation of how hard the ensemble oh works because they, they, they dance like that and they sound like that and they dance and sound like that at the same time. Eight shows Those are some of the, my favorite tweets from the watch along because like you, every now and then the ensemble person would be like, this is where I ran to pee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is what I got to sit totally. down because it's just 
the tracks are madness. And and at the Rogers, they have you. There is no backstage, so they can't cross over. So when they because oh there's that God. open that like opening thing and and different and other. I didn't theaters. realize that's that's the back of the stage. That's not like a cyclorama or a false. No, wall or you you walk from one side to the other. So if you fuck up your exit, you're running into the basement. And oh my God! There is there is no you can't cross in the back. Only oh at the Rogers. God. I'm. I think every other theater they've performed it in, you can. There's like a full backstage. I mean, these New York City theaters, they're teeny tiny because they're yeah. so old, mm-hmm. which is great. Um, but moments like that where you and just the, the like talking to so many of them and Universal Swings and what they need to know and remember all the time. Like if you're, you know, if you're woman two or you think you haven't played woman three in a while and suddenly you're on because someone has food poisoning, like the, the, yeah. the sheer volume of what you have to remember. And then they perform it so effortlessly. And like, I, I hate hearing those stories of like, oh, you were in the chorus. I don't want your autograph. Like they're ensemble members. They're, they're athletes. They're world-class athletes. And um, I think a, a major part of this is, is, I mean, I'm going to keep screaming about it for four and a half more years, but they get the respect they deserve truly. Like, yes. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's the same thing with like, sit and watch those credits, watch all eight minutes of those credits or whatever. Wait till you get the exit music that we were, so, we're so lucky to get, but read those names. You know what I mean? It takes, yeah. it takes so many people to make this thing that we love so much and all the things we love so much. And, um, to really have it, you know, you can look through your playbill, but if you're going to stare at David's headshot, I get it. Jasmine, I get it. These are all very attractive people. I completely understand, yeah. but you can really see it now. Like the music is so beautiful in the, in the ending credits and the shot is so cool to see that. end, like to see the stage yes. as it is. And like, just take the mm-hmm. time to really just like pay respect to these people. Part of what I, what I love about the Disney plus, like I didn't realize Ariana and like the bullet being its own thing and like consistently being a portent of death. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I didn't catch, I didn't catch that. Yeah. You can't catch it just listening to the music. No. And I, I certainly didn't catch it when we were seeing it in LA, but being able to see, because again, Tommy like points your eyes at, Oh, look at, look at her. Stay alive. So on the album during stay alive, you hear the bullet, you hear that gunshot, but she is there. And like Andy goes in on this in in the coolest way where he's like, yeah, you know, we're, we're just, yeah. You know, he, he leans, Hamilton leans down to keep writing so that the story can continue. But she's right. Like she just misses him. So somebody, she helps put a coat on and he dies. And then there's another, like, she's just like that. That track is always, she introduces, uh, or she tells Philip where to go to find, um, George Eaker. Oh <gasps> yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. With Sasha Hutchings. Holy shit. Yes. Yeah. So the bullet, whoever's playing the bullet is directing people towards their death once she dies. Oh my God. Have you not realized this? No. Like not, not in that way where, yeah. Like she tells where to find George Eager. I saw him just up Broadway a couple of Philip is literally flirting with death in that moment. And she's, oh my God. And that also Sasha, <laughs> Sasha Hutchings is a masterclass in comedy. God, you're a Fox. Yes. The way she, like she just, and it's funny because she is the comic relief in that moment. And Ari has all the information. That's awesome. Yeah. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. Oh, delightful. Okay. So one last thing before we go, Sure. is there any tidbit? I mean, I know we talked about like people will ask you, what should I look out for or whatever? Mm. Is there anything that you've learned from doing Hamilcast? Is there anything that you've learned from your different viewings of the show and, and how you've unpacked it before that like is sort of special to you or that no one's asked you about that you've wanted to talk about before? 
like any like nugget that you really want to pass on. I love um, the little musical hints that I've learned about little mm. things. Cause Alex Lackamore is just such a genius and he's just the kindest and best person, but little things that I've either learned from him or someone like Kurt Crowley, for example, who told me that he had just like, he just said it in passing. He was talking to Donald Weber, who was playing Hamilton at the time. And mm -hmm. he now plays Burr on tour, but that in, um, satisfied there's that little nervous strings like -na 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 -na, that comes up and it's yeah. nervous because Hamilton is talking to Eliza's father about marrying her and so uh. there's this little shaky like little string build that's like oh and it's that like it's just little tiny things like that you know like um the there's a tiny just little couple notes of satisfied during um she's buried in Trinity Church near you it's like burner, uh, just a, just a little, just these yeah. these musical motifs that come back, and you're like, oh yeah, you know, like Hurricane and and Yorktown, that like relentless yes. bump, -na 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 -na, that's in both of them, and like the heartbeat the in um in Stay Alive, just as Philip dies. Yeah, because oh, that started. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Stopping on seven. Yeah, it started at the beginning of the song. You kind of forget about that beat that's happening until it's the only thing you're hearing. Yeah. Ugh. Uh, yeah, so it's good. just those musical motifs and they're everywhere. I mean, they're everywhere. So little things yeah. like that. And once you hear it, you can't you can never unhear them, which I love, too. <laughs> yeah. and, then, and now I just I can't I can't not hear those little shaky strings like, oh, Hamilton's nervous. He's, he's, he's talking to her dad. Oh, my God. Is he going to say OK? He does. I mean, I sound like just such a gushing ninny, but like the, the talent, the craftsmanship, the artistry, the stagecraft. It's, I'm just so glad we have it whenever we want it. Yeah, truly. I can put it on to go to sleep. Like yeah. it's going to be so good. It's going to be yeah. so good. Good luck. You're going <laughs> to be up for another two hours and 40 minutes. Just because exactly. you're, yeah. you're going <laughs> to see something else. You're going to learn something else and you're going to be like, Oh my God. Yeah. There's so much content there. And even like, as you know, as we mentioned discourse that's happening, especially looking at Hamilton as an artifact of its time compared to now. And what is so, like the socio-political atmosphere and how that changes, how we engage with the art. But like, there's just, there's so much there. Mm. And so much that's not there. And it really does like as a person who's like, well, I want to see how accurate this is. And like I tried there was a there was a brief moment where I was trying to hunt down the turnout book at different libraries in Southern California because they were all checked out. Right. 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 And the thing like when Joanne Freeman, the as I call her a badass historian, came on, she was like, look, there are some historians that are very upset by the fact that it's not 100 percent historically accurate. And there were things sure. that are just, you know, and Joanne's like, well, yeah, you, I mean, you can do that or you could be excited that everyone's Googling the Federalist Papers for once in their lives or, you know, yeah. and you can I can have that conversation or I can be like the gushing fan and still talk to someone like Chris Jackson or Deontay Goodman about what it's like to be a person of color playing a slave owner and hear their story. Yeah. And so like it can all be true from 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 where I'm sitting. I can love this work of art and also be able to say like, "Ooh, that's Sally Hemings throwaway line. Like when you go like like children at home, when you look up who Sally Hemings is like she was not a mistress. She was a victim. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. but you learn about that now. You know, yeah. the door is open. And like you said, we could talk, we could, this could be a three-part episode where we just gush about this with you. I know. I'm thrilled to be here. I'm going to come back and talk about Newsies. I, I yes, know listeners, sure. it sounded like I just invited myself, but we discussed it off air. I've been invited. Yes. going to talk We're about all the Newsies. We're going to bring Jillian back for Newsies. Yeah. But thank you so much for lending your expertise and experience to our discussion of 
Hamilton on Disney Plus. Thank you so much. What are your, where can people find you online? What are your socials? Where should they find you? Oh, thank you so much for having me. And this is a long list of socials because I'm going to do all the podcasts. Is that okay? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So I am personally Jillian with a G and it's spelled out like that. G-I-L-L-I-N with a G. Um, yeah. So that's everything. And then the Hamilcast is the Hamilcast on everything. Mm-hmm. True Crime Obsessed is True Crime Obsessed, no ED on Twitter and True Crime Obsessed podcast on Instagram. And Mike's mm-hmm. podcast is Ted Michael Reed sketches into microphones and they are just at Ted Michael on Twitter. And I think <laughs> that's everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's it, but, right? Yes. But for okay, folks great. who are interested in more Hamilton content, you said you've got Lynn on your July 6th episode. So that's available now. Yeah. Yes. And he's back again next week and he wraps a, a version of the duel, the final duel that no <gasps> one has ever heard before. He just like did oh it. God. We didn't plan it. He was just like, oh, if you bear with me, I think I have the Google Doc somewhere. Hold on. Let me just wrap this real quick. And I'm like, OK, Lynn. So he's just he's in the business <laughs> of just giving me heart attacks on a sure daily basis with his with his oh goodness. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I consider the podcast a, a, a companion to the to the film. I did not plan this. I'm just happy to be here. So, yeah, yeah check it out. The Andy Blank and Bueller episodes and all the cabinet, Tommy Kale and and Lack and Lack totally goes in on on the Skylar sisters and how that track developed. And I'm super grateful and I'm thrilled to be able to talk to you about this. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. yeah this has been delightful. Thank you so much for joining us. You guys are the best. If you ever want to do like happy hour cocktails via Skype or whatever, I'm down. Absolutely. Yes. We need to be doing more Let's of that. Let's do it. Honestly. Let's be real life friends. <laughs> oh my goodness. Hamilton, Jillian Pensavale. Like I said, such a delight. Delightful. She, I'm so excited to see her and Patrick this week. Yes. Um, I'm so excited to have a sing-along option for Hamilton. Uh, I honestly wish it came sooner. And you know what? In a in a universe where there's no uh, pandemic and no lockdown, we're having Hamilton sing-along parties yeah. at this point. But we're not that. We're not there. Heck, we only no. just got settled. We need to start having housewarming parties. We really do. All of this is to say, um, we hope you enjoyed our episode uh, covering Hamilton and talking with Jillian. And we'll be back in two weeks with a fresh episode. Yeah, it's going to be so fresh. It's going to be so fresh and so clean. Yes, so fresh is so clean, clean. Yes, uh, mm-hmm. that over there is what has... Oh, wait. But before we do that, uh, Clancy, where can they find us on social media? They can find us at NonPlusPod on uh, Instagram and Facebook. Because, I mean, yeah, that's it. I'm actually more active on our Twitter now that I've stopped using my own oh as much. Oh, my God. <laughs> I hate it. I have to stop myself from... Harding very political things as nonplussed. Anyway, um, you can also email us at suggestions at nonplusspod.com. Yes. Uh, rate, review, subscribe in your podcasting platform of preference. Uh, if you don't have five stars on our show already, go ahead and toss them. If you actually look, as long as you don't hate us, what's the harm for you to give us five stars? Exactly. And if you do hate us, thanks for hate listening. I don't know what to say to you. Exactly. If you're one of those people, just give us four stars. Just give it. Yeah. Coming up, coming up four stars, four stars. <laughs> that over there is my husband, Clancy. And over there is my beautiful and talented husband, Josh. And we have been, non It's like if a mouse was singing it. It's pretty good. Okay, bye.
meets Hamilton meets Aaron Bird, John Lawrence, the Marquis de Lafayette, and her like and Helen Mirren and Hercules Mulligan (laughs) and impressive nonplussed give me Ron Burgundy question mark nonplussed give me Miss White Flames on the side of my face nonplussed give me Judy Dench nonplussed give me Maggie Smith nonplussed Nonplussed. Ooh. Yes. It is nonplussed. Don't forget to check out Tavor on iOS and Android for your 100% independent resource for tasty and tantalizing craft brews. Just search Tavor, that's T-A-V-O-U-R, in your App Store search to get $10 off your first order of $25 or more. Cheers. Bye. Bye.